Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matt, uh, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Passover of the Jews is near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables, making a cord, a whip of cords. He drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to be together here today and to worship you. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to leave behind the baggage that we came here with today so that we might hear you speaking to us. Lord, we pray that you would place your words in my mouth that I might boldly and joyfully proclaim them, Lord. And we pray that we would be transformed through this encounter with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, I've got a problem. Well, I've got a list of problems. But like one of my problems is that I am an impulsive project guy. Right? I'm not the kind of person who plans or who uh, says, oh, I know this is going to need fixing, so let me get my supplies all together. Let me get all ready and set aside the right amount of time to do the project. No, most of the time, I've put something off for so long that finally it needs to get done, and I, stu- I trip upon it or hurt myself with it, and then I say, oh, I'm going to fix this right now. Right? Anyone else like that here? Okay, so that's the way I do things. And it usually begins um, with the thought, should I change my clothes? Right? You know, should I get into my work clothes or not? And there's one voice in my head that says, yes. And it sounds a lot like my wife, right? It says, yes, go change your clothes so that you don't ruin another, like your favorite thing that you're wearing right now, right? The other voice says, nah. Yosh, I'm sure you won't get anything on it. I mean, how hard is it to change the oil in your car? <laughs> right? And then so I usually listen to the second voice because it's the most recent thing in my mind. And I go through it, and what happens? Yeah, I ruined my clothes, right? So here was a painting project a little while ago. Uh, I was wearing my favorite T-shirt at the time, and I got it on the sleeve. And you know what? Paint doesn't come out of clothes very well, does it? Then I was uh, uh, admiring my work, and I backed up into the wall. 
right? And that's kind of how things work for me, right? Painting, working on my car, just checking things out. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, let me just sneak under my car for a second and see. Or put a little oil in this lock and then it's like sprays all out all over me. That's the story of my life, right? I begin with good intentions. I begin with good motivations. But in the end, I end up covered in a stain I can't get out. I end up coated in this stuff, and it ruins the whole experience for me because no longer do I have that feeling of success, right? Instead, I see outlay of cash, right, because I've got to get more clothes, right? It's a, zero, it's a negative sum game, and it never works well for me. The lasting impression, though, is that I'm left with these clothes that are covered in stains that I can't remove. And something like that was happening in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Our gospel passage from John finds us uh, near the, the season of the Passover in Jerusalem. Now, the Passover, as you will remember, is the festival where the Jewish people celebrated their deliverance by God from slavery in Egypt. Remember, like, the whole uh, Ten Commandments movie? Did you guys ever see that one? Right, with Charlton Heston, where he stands up by... The Red Sea and the other parts, all that kind of stuff. That's the Passover, and that's what they were celebrating uh, at this time in Jerusalem. Now, at Passover, every worshiper of God was called to come to Jerusalem for the feast so everyone um, could celebrate this feast of God. And so it became packed. Jerusalem, the population, would double during this time. And, I mean, there's just people everywhere swarming all over the place. And Jesus comes into the temple during this feast of the Passover, and he sees people selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifice to the Lord. Now, there's a good reason for this. There's a good reason why they would be selling these things, because people were coming from all over the world to worship God. And would you rather travel with a carry-on bag or a cow? Huh? Carry-on bag, right, why? Why? Yeah, seriously, have you ever tried to get a cow through one of those conveyor belts with the, like the, um, you know, where they do the scan of your bag? It's impossible, right? In the same way back then, to try to get a cow like 200 miles with you was not easy, especially because the animal you needed to present had to be without blemish, it had to be a special one, and that was hard to travel with. And so, people set up this kind of industry where they would sell you a fresh cow, Right there. Um, so that when you came to offer your sacrifice to the Lord, they would sell you a cow or a sheep or a dove so that you would be ready to offer your sacrifice to the Lord. Now, it used to be occupied, kind of, or this, this used to take place outside the temple gates. It used to be in another location, um, kind of like airport part, or you know, car rental at the airport, right? It would, took place off-site. They would kind of, you'd kind of get bust over there, you'd pick up your animal, and then you'd come to offer it in the temple. But over time, the industry moved closer and closer in. Now, this was a good idea, but over time, things got a little perverted in this, right? Because uh, the people who did the inspection, there was like an inspection people at the, kind of like the TSA of the temple, right? And they were there, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on these aircraft thing right now. Um, and so they were there to make sure that your animal passed muster, right? Because your animal had to be without blemish. And so they would check it over uh, and they would make sure that your animal was 
was truly a good animal that you were going to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, some people think that over time, these people, these inspection people, came to be in cahoots with the animal selling people. And so the inspection people, if you brought your cow from home, they would inspect it and they would fail it. And so you would be forced to go to the um, animal selling people in the temple courts to buy another one at a high premium, right? Of course. Um, And so they think that over time, these two groups worked together and so they would give each other a cut of the proceeds. What do you, you think that's possible? Yeah, I think that's pretty likely. I mean... You know, things don't go along that well for, for very long, as long as humans are involved in them. And so um, there was this kind of racket going on in the temple courts where you had to buy your animal from these people who were selling them there. And do you think they charged a fair price? No. You know, that real estate was expensive, right, to rent that kiosk there in the temple. And so it came at a premium because they had location, 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 right? There were also money changers there. Why were there money changers? Anyone happen to know? That's right. Because people came from different places, and there was a temple tax that was a half shekel per man, and it had to be paid in the correct currency. So the money changers were there because the money that was acceptable for giving to the Lord was Jewish or Tyrian money. Those were the only two that were accepted in the temple. Of course, the exchange rate in the temple was what? It was, yeah, exorbitant. I mean, it was terrible. It was like exchanging your money at the airport, right? You know you're going to get just ripped off in that, that exchange. Now, we assume that all these exchanges were made in the court of the Gentiles, right? That's where it seems that the text suggests that this is where this was happening. This is where the animals were being sold, and this is where the money was being changed. Now, who do you think was supposed to worship God in the court of the Gentiles? The Gentiles, way to go. That's right. This was the place that God had set apart in the design of the temple, in the design of the temple for people who were not of Jewish heritage to come and worship God. And how easy do you think it was to worship God in that area when, when this was going on? Right, yeah. Horrible. Right? It was kind of like um, trying to concentrate in a place that was like the casino at Circus Circus and a stockyard kind of fused together. Could you imagine worshiping God in a place like that? You got money like clinking all over the place. You got people shouting and bartering. You got animals mooing and dove make noises, whatever they make, the coos. Uh, you've got all this going on. And you're there as a Gentile trying to worship God. I should have simulated this. I should have brought some cows in. And then that would have been a good idea. Give the kids rattles and stuff. Because that's what it would be like. It was impossible to worship God there. Impossible. And then there was this horrible racket business going on there as well. So Jesus, he steps into this place that was supposed to be a place of worship and now looks more like the New York Stock Exchange. And he takes out a scourge, or a whip, and he chases everyone out and smashes up the tables of the money changers. In effect, Jesus removes the barriers to worship. He opens that place up again so that the Gentiles have a place to come and worship the Lord. He also makes it clean 
and free from idolatry. It's no mistake that this gospel passage is paired with the Old Testament reading from Exodus that lists the Ten Commandments. The first commandment being, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. What event is is, uh, God referring to here? The Passover, that's right. It fits with the time frame too, right? He's speaking about the Passover. And then he says, because I delivered you from there and brought you here, you shall have no other gods before me. Because of what I have done for you in the past, remember to not, get any, not let anything get between me and you. This commandment looks back at the Passover that was being remembered and celebrated in Jerusalem at that time. And it says because of that event, the Jewish people were to, have, were to only have God as their God. Now the problem was that these people in the courts were making money and success their gods. They had replaced the worship of the Lord with the worship of filthy lucre. They were, on, they were worshiping these things and had forgotten about worshiping the one true God. They had also forgotten that their role as Jewish people was to make access for the Lord easy for everyone and were in effect barring the non-Jews from worship of God. So when Jesus does this, when he cleanses the temple, the Jews ask him what authority he has to do it. Jesus responds by saying that if they destroy the temple, he would raise it up in three days. Now I can understand why they would be confused. Does this confuse you at all ever? Yeah, I mean, it's not the most obvious statement you could make. He could have just said, because I'm God. You know, and that would have been a more clear thing. But instead, he says this. And they argue and say, hey, that's impossible. It's taken us 46 years, and we're not even done with this temple. How in the world can you do it in three days? But John tells us, Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. The authority that Jesus was claiming for why he could cleanse the temple was the resurrection. Okay, that's a big jump, right? But Jesus makes it. He makes that claim. He says the reason that he could make the temple clean and make access to God easy was that his body would be destroyed and that he would raise it up again in three days. That is the authority he claims for cleansing the temple. He was claiming the power of the resurrection before it even happened. Just as God claimed the event of the Passover as the reason why the Jews should not worship other gods, Jesus was claiming the power of his deliverance of us through, the, through his bloodshed on the cross and his resurrection as the reason why he could make the temple clean and his people should only worship God alone. In this statement, he also made a connection between the temple and his body, or his body. Our bodies in the scriptures are also connected to the temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says to us, You are God's temple. That's pretty clear, right? That's a fairly explicit statement there. You are God's temple. Jesus Christ, as he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem, wants to clean out our temple as well. We all mean well in our lives. 
we all start off with good intentions, kind of like me and my clothes, right? We start off with a simple project in mind. But over time, we get dirty. We get contaminated. We pick up crud from the world. And you know what? How successful will I be in getting this stain out of these shorts? Not very. I could cut the stain out. That's probably my only solution. But that'd be a little embarrassing walking around like that. Right? There is no way to get this out. I know because it's been in there for several years and I keep wearing them around, right? And they keep getting washed and it's not coming out. The stain is stuck. In the same way, idolatry and sin get stuck in us as well. And we can't remove them on our own. It is a power that is beyond our grasp. Because of this, Jesus wants to clear us out. He is the only one who can do it. And he wants to destroy the idolatry that causes us to not be able to worship the Lord. He does this by the same authority that he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem. He does this by the power of his resurrection. He is the one, the only one, who can drive the idolatry out of us because he is the one who died and rose again from the dead. He has the authority because he is God, and he has conquered death forever. He is worthy. This passage tells us that he is worthy and he wants to make us clean and open up to us the opportunity to worship him with clean hearts and minds. So today, if you came here with baggage, if you came here with stains on your soul, if you came here just dragging, if you're even right now just your mind's wandering and you're focusing on other things, which I can understand because my mind does that, this is the opportunity we have to turn this time over to the Lord, to turn over our hearts and minds to Him. Because just as He wanted that place in the temple to be open to people to worship Him with freedom, so as well He wants to open us up so that we can worship Him as well. He wants to cast those money changers out of our mind. The tax season's coming up that kind of connects there, right? We might be worried about that, right? There's all kinds of things that can distract us from worshiping the Lord. But he wants to make the path clean. And so today, may we not let this day pass before we turn ourselves over to him. Open up our hearts and minds to him so that he can drive those things out. And so that he can lead us into true and pure worship of him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the one, by the power of your resurrection, who can make us clean. Who can drive out, Lord, all those things which seek to distract us from you. Help us to entrust ourselves to you, Lord God. And help us to turn over those cares and concerns of our mind to you, so that we might be freed from idolatry. Lord, we want our temple to be a fitting place for you. And we pray, Lord, that you would make it so by the power of the cross. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.